Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. All right, so on today's episode of FN Sports, we're going to do a little bit of a Fan Friday and dive into the fans and Kyrie and that whole saga. So without further ado, let's cue the intro. What is going on, Philly Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues, and it is a Fan Friday coming to a little bit later than a Fan Friday after some things got bumped around a little bit last week with a busy couple of nights here following the Twitter and social media posts. It explained a lot more of that in a lot more detail. Anyway, that bumped us into the weekend for Fan Friday, and then without getting too too deep into it it's been a quite a weekend here and anyway i'm glad to get to sit here and talk with sports about you guys today and today for our fan friday we are going to stick with the same topic we had before although we have more fun added to it because we're going to be talking about Kyrie Irving versus the city of Boston and as we're seeing recording that that series is at 3-0 Boston now uh, <laughs> i know by the time you're hearing this who knows what could have happened between Kyrie and Durant and the Nets and the Celtics. For all I know, they could be on their way back to the first ever comeback from down 3-0 in the NBA playoffs, or they could be swept, or there could be some on-court explosion Monday night when the two teams play again. However, for our Fan Friday episode, we're going to focus more on this dynamic back and forth between Kyrie and the city of Boston, even though technically, I guess the earliest Kyrie could possibly return to Boston would be this upcoming Wednesday, and then, of course, if they lose on Monday, they won't see them again until next season. But it's time to dive in and talk a little bit about all the stuff that's unfolded between the two and kind of how to rationalize it or break it down and shake it out. So without further ado, let's dive on in. All right, so this Boston and New York thing is like nothing new, right? If anything, the shift from Madison Square Garden to the Barclays Center, it just makes it like slightly closer to Beantown. I'm not really sure who is the Tom Brady and who's the Eli Manning or who's the great Bambino in this whole rivalry, but what I will say is the city of New York and the city of Boston always love to scrap it out. Now, Boston and Brooklyn specifically go way, way, way back, right? There's the Paul Pierce, Kim Garnett era of Boston playing against Darren Williams and Brooke Lopez. There's obviously the big trade in which Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry and a couple of role players get traded for picks. Those picks go from Brooklyn to Boston. Those picks turn into Jalen Brown. One of them ends up becoming the number one pick that was Markel Fultz getting flipped for Tatum. 
Uh, ironically, one of them ends up becoming the first round pick that Boston then flips for Kyrie Irving. For whatever it's worth, it, that pick ends up becoming Colin Sexton, another great pick in the NBA earlier part of the NBA draft. Also, Boston sends Brooklyn on the other side of that deal. This is probably the lesser known fact that a pick that ends up getting moved for D'Angelo Russell, that pick turns into Kyle Kuzma. So a number of different NBA players kind of weave their way through this trade bracket, even though many of them actually never put the other team's hat on. I, I mostly bring up that trade because that was the first of this like player empowerment era where we saw people saying, is this too far of a trade in the future? Like, how can we really judge this trade when Pierce and Garnett got sent to Brooklyn? It felt like they were creating the super team. And we're like, man, this couldn't be a great team for a long time and so on. And all the Boston people were saying, no, 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 that they're too old. This is past their prime. We're getting all this future draft capital. The Brooklyn's going to stink very, very soon. And to be fair, both sides I kind of end up being right. Brooklyn never ends up winning anything with those guys. But they had a solid run. Then they got very much too old that one year later kind of got very much too old, leads to all those picks becoming great picks for Boston. Also, again, in talking about how like that Russian oligarch in Brooklyn got fleeced, you look at how all of this plays out, and Garnett and Pierce don't spend a whole lot of time in Brooklyn because of the player empowerment era. Much like you just saw Brooklyn kind of do this 14 months ago, 15 months ago, whatever, not quite 18 months ago, with James Harden. They sent all of their picks to Houston in exchange for James Harden. James Harden's there for all of 14 months, 13 months. He's gone, and all of those picks now still reside in Houston. The picks and pick swaps, I should say. Now, as that's playing out, better believe that Houston Rockets fans like myself are watching this Brooklyn situation closely because if in the player empowerment era, after this short-lived experiment, Kyrie and Durant were to say, hey, let's blow it up, Obviously, the biggest beneficiaries are my Houston Rockets because all of a sudden that team gets really bad really fast and we have all of their draft picks. But I digress. This is not really just about the teams between Boston and Brooklyn. This is a lot about Kyrie. So I think we got to break down the history lesson here and continue into how Kyrie ties into Boston. Now, Kyrie Irving notably ended up on the Boston Celtics after he left Cleveland. But I feel like it's worth pointing out that he listed at least quasi-listed somewhat semi-publicly, the four franchises he wanted to go to at the time. There were Miami, Minnesota, San Antonio, and New York, none of which were Boston. Yeah, it was New York, not New Jersey. We'll get to that in a second. But he signified that those are the four teams he wanted to go play for. And I recall that mostly because it stuck out as those were four teams in very, very different places. Miami was very quickly, obviously, becoming a second rise of a franchise. They were looking at their post-Wayne Wade future. Wayne Wade ends up coming back and went da 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 but they were looking at what they're going to do afterwards. Chris Bosh obviously had been forced to retirement early. They had a great coach in Spolstra and some great young pieces, but they were trying to work their way in that correct direction. Minnesota, if you remember, actually had Jimmy Butler and Towns, and they felt like this great young up-and-coming team that was a very different direction you have san antonio which had just recently had to move on or was moving on i should say in the present tense of that time from Kawhi leonard that felt like a team that needed to replace a superstar for a all-time great head coach and then the knicks offered this idea of the superstar glam life in new york there were four very different directions that he wanted to head and ended up heading into none of them he gets traded to cleveland for what ends up being colin sexton and a handful of other role pieces those role pieces play with lebron for a little bit and lebron ditches down da da da, da. i digress now in 2017-18 they're playing very well but he gets hurt that team ends up making it to the eastern conference finals without him and he says before the next season 
he wants to be there for a long time. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it's like a preseason season ticket holder kind of thing. He gets up off of his stool and is like praising the city of Boston, how much they love the Celtics, and because he wants to be a Celtic for a long, long time if they'll have him. 2018-19, that season, the second year he's supposed to be in Boston, then goes awful. He decides that he and Kevin Durant are going to get up and leave for Brooklyn. Durant is, of course, coming off of an injury, leaving the Golden State Warriors that next summer. Now, I got to point out here that part of the credit that Kyrie gives out for leaving Boston for Brooklyn or for the Nets as a franchise is that his grandfather passes away in that in-between time that I guess really did influence his decision because Irving is a New Jersey kid who grows up rooting for and watching the Nets. It's a family affair. And that I think was part of his reasoning for choosing Brooklyn, the Nets over the Knicks. And for whatever reason, Katie falls in line. Now, if the story just stopped there and Kyrie just left and it was happy-go-lucky and nothing, then I feel like this would be a fairly mundane series. We've seen players go back and play in their old cities in playoff series or play in their old cities in regular season games. And it's kind of a fun first five minutes. Fans will boo during the opening starting lineups and whatnot. And that's really where it dies. But that's not where this dies for a number of different reasons. For one, Celtics fans hold on to that he himself, being Kyrie, was a liar. He goats them. He tricks them, saying he's going to be there for a long time. And then he ends up not sticking around for a long time. He also kind of avoid that smoke of getting booed by sitting and taking breaks during the games initially that first season when Durant was still hurt and the Nets were coming to Boston. He sat out of those. And bluntly, I... I think we'll get to in a minute why that actually might make some sense but anyway he he kind of avoided the smoke in a lot of ways and that i think sat poorly to say the least with boston then he finally gets to play against boston right he and durant are back to full strength and Kyrie is coming back to boston actually getting to play in these games or actually having to play in these games depending on which perspective you're taking and this is at the top of a very competitive eastern conference the east is back on top for the first time in like nearly my whole lifetime and this is a big part of it all these stars are playing boston and brooklyn and chicago and milwaukee and so on anyway Kyrie is coming back to boston and because he's now playing in the game he's doing his normal Kyrie things having a bunch of and one trick shot type plays blah, blah, blah. but moreover he gets spotted stomping on the midcourt logo that goes over very very poorly with celtics twitter celtics sports radio celtics podcasting celtics all of the people surrounding the fanfare so i assume that's also going to be poorly in the city of boston i guess to say the least fast forward to the milwaukee series Kyrie rolls an ankle all of boston celtics fandom starts going out about how that's payback for stomping on the logo at midcourt i don't know if boston realizes that you have to like run on that logo to go up and down the court but Either way, it's not like the kind of thing we have every college has that, like, that seal somewhere in the administration building. You're not supposed to step on this bad luck. That's not really how midcourt works in basketball, but I'm not going to go too far down that road. Boston fans were really excited that Kyrie was out for their matchup with Milwaukee, which of course leads to Milwaukee winning by literally a half of a shoe size from Kevin Durant. And then Milwaukee was on to win the NBA championship. Feels like Brooklyn might have won the NBA championship otherwise. And they did not because they could not. And so then you get to this year where Kyrie, you know, you, there was a Sage video, I guess, from last year. But the real deal this year was when Kyrie gets to Boston and he's having a great first game in the NBA playoffs. And who knows what they're really chanting at him. But he starts responding with the, we'll say, the single finger salute. What is that? Is that a good 
single finger salute, middle finger salute. I don't, he flips them all the bird, okay? So Kyrie's running around the stadium, flipping them all the bird, somewhat directly, somewhat indirectly. And I, I'm stealing this take from Bomani Jones, but I have to agree with Bomani when he says, if you're going to flip him the bird, you might as well go to midcourt and really do it. Because in modern technology, no one's going to miss the picture or video of you doing it. And you might as well stand on your own two feet, ten toes down, and put the bird in the air. Don't do the stuff where you like scratch them on your head and all that kinds of care. Anyway, I, I'm not saying that the fans didn't warrant it. We'll get to that in a second. But I will say, if you're going to be disrespectful, you might as well not try and hide it. Just go out and do it. Anyway, as we get to looking at this, I feel like as we're adding to this history lesson, this is not just a Kyrie thing. There's also a Boston side up here that's kind of icky and ugly, dating all the way back to Bill Russell, whose home was vandalized as he was a black starter on the Boston Celtics and the first black coach on the Boston Celtics because he was a player coach for the last couple of those championships, right? He brought them 11 championships and still would do things like come home and find his home vandalized with racist paraphernalia, racist spray paint, and like rumored to have defecations in his bed. There's also worth pointing out that like, he didn't want his jersey retired publicly. They did the jersey retirement ceremony pregame with the doors closed before fans could get in the stadium because he did not want them around. Red Arbach in that same era, while he wasn't necessarily racist towards Bill Russell in the same way, if anything, he kind of promoted him as a Jew himself that faced anti-Semitism, he would do things like steam and turn the heat on in the visiting locker room and cut lights in the hallway leading in and out of the visitor locker room and all these kind of like mind games around it. You could fast forward this up until like, the first time Cleveland had LeBron when Boston created their own big three to kind of keep this guy in his early 20s from making the NBA Finals because he made it in 2007, but I could go on that for a whole other episode of Fan Friday someday. Anyway, they built their own big three and then started selling shirts that said FCK, LBJ, and the Run DMC font across the front, and there were big poster boards, and it was awful, awful, awful always. And then things only got worse when LeBron headed south to Miami, and they did it to all three both him and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and they went on and on and on, and it just really got icky, ugly, and gross, and, you know, again, borderline hateful, if not worse. Somewhere in the middle there, when they're playing the Lamar Odom and Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol teams in the NBA Finals, they threw vodka bottles at Lamar Odom, and that's got its own level of, like, psychological abuse to a guy that's had addiction problems and problems with substances, and you're also doing that by throwing things physically at the guy on the floor. Worth pointing out, they also threw water bottles at Kyrie Irving earlier in the last, I guess, was that a year ago? I say all that to say that this reputation Boston has is earned. It's not something that people are just throwing out there. People just want to pick on Boston and the leprechaun and so on. It really is earned. So much so that the Celtics confirmed in some USA Today reporting in 2021 that Celtics players confirmed they had heard Celtics fans using racial slurs, using derogatory language, using all these kinds of awful, hateful things towards players. And I think it's worth pointing out that like Marcus Smart has asked for this to stop. Jalen Brown, obviously, as a social justice person himself, is very much against this kind of thing happening. But they also understand there's a portion of Celtics fans and a portion of Boston and greater New England that appreciates them without all of that. And so I don't mean to say that like it's every Boston fan, but certainly enough that people recognize this and people ask it to stop. And the people recognizing it are also the people on the floor. And I, I think that validates the concerns when you hear people talk about this. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. 
What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. So if we're going to move out of the history lesson and stop talking about like how we got to where we are, I think it's worth questioning, is it okay to be where we are. Is there a line in this fandom? I wrote a deal for Belly Up Sports a little over a year ago at this point. Actually, it might have been about a year ago as the playoffs ran later. Anyway, about all of the crazy fanatical type of fandom that was happening, right? People dumping popcorn on Russell Westbrook, people spitting on Trey Young, and those kinds of things. And while that wasn't just in Boston, it did feel like the kind of behavior that we're talking about here as well. At some point, buying a ticket to see guys perform does not mean you get to treat them as anything less than human performing in front of you. You can't just sit there and say, I bought this ticket. And I'm going to get to say whatever I want to say to that guy when he walks on the floor. And blah, 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 blah. That doesn't work. The person on the floor is another person. I think that gets lost a lot. and People cross that line a lot. Now, obviously, hyper derogatory language, racial slurs, throwing things, those cross a very obvious line. The question is, where is that line right we could talk about how ben simmons is not suiting up for the series it appears as he's sitting out of game four and it appears to be because of more back issues but i would also contend that part of it is he doesn't want to make his first game back against boston or playing with Kyrie against boston or playing in the i guess it's no longer called boston it's probably some other version of garden there's probably a sponsor in front of it anyway i i think i understand why that would not be the case for a guy that has said He's had issues with his own mental health in the last year. I mean, all the bashing he just took in Philadelphia, another fan base that's very much been accused of all of these very same things. I think it's worth pointing out that I, this Boston thing may not be the best for him. Like, I don't think that's crazy. But that's a long digression. Is there a line to the things these fans can do? I think we would all agree that the line is somewhere shy of making racial slurs. But how shy, how far, how far or how close to the sun can those fans get before people start to get burnt? We've seen fans try and run on the floor a couple times in Minnesota and Minnesota games. And we can be like, well, you can't run on the floor. But isn't it potentially more harmful with, with kind of things we have people throwing on the floor with vodka bottles and throwing things like cups? I mean, the whole malice of the palace starts because someone throws a half drunk beer cup from 15 rows up or whatever that was. Also remarkable marksmanship but anyway is it is it the kind of thing that is that is it just throwing things and racial slurs that's all because we also have Celtics fans like that were rooting for Kyrie's entry they wanted to see 
Kyrie get hurt a year ago? Is that is that crossing a line? Where's the line fall on that? Because that's not during a game either. What I, I don't know if this Kyrie situation is unique because it feels like there's a chicken and egg scenario happening here where it's like Kyrie goats them, they come back at him, and the cycle never ends because it's Kyrie and it's the Celtics. But I, I think it is worth pointing out that Boston's been in a number of these and Blanket statements are never good. I'm not saying that we should speak in blanket statements across all of the Celtics fandom, but we do the same thing in broad terms with Philly, and we do the same thing in broad terms, honestly, with Salt Lake, and we do the same thing in broad terms with, honestly, with Oklahoma City, and all of these different things as well. And I think that that's really where I settle. Is like, why are we settling for any of this? Why is any of this not over? Why is the line only short of, racial slurs and throwing things why isn't the line somewhere else where like basic human decency steps in speaking of basic human decency i i think that like i don't mean to poo poo on the barstool company too much they've got some fun people and some whatever but by and large they base their selves off of various fan bases including a big big contention of barstool that has like greater boston the same way bill simmons and kevin o'connor are like big big things in full NBA circles, but are very much tied to forever the city of Boston. But after game one, I believe it was game one, it might have been ahead of game two, somewhere in the little window there, but Barstool Sports put out a t-shirt that was all green, Celtics green, go sees, and it said on it, in his plain white typeface, Putin, ISIS, Kim Jong-un, Kyrie. Now, I understand that this is a person trying to sell shirts for the Barstool merchandise store, and I don't even want to know how many of these things got purchased. But is that not too far? Is lumping Kyrie in with these awful dictators that have killed millions of people, when truthfully, there's some aspects of Kyrie that have very much fought to do the opposite of that? Like, if you've listened to the show for a while, I know I have a very complicated relationship with Kyrie. I actually appreciate things like when he doesn't want to go to work a couple days after January 6th, he's like, oh, my mind is just not right. I actually appreciate things. He's like, hey, you need to read deeper and dive a little deeper and understand things. Don't just believe the first thing you read. But I also like have this problem when he's talking about like flat, using his platform to talk about things like the flat earth or like about how like he's not going to get vaccinated for the people that are working, but then gets to benefit from all those working people in New York City getting vaccinated so it's safe enough for him to get to work at home games. And I, I could go on and on and on, but... Barstool Sports tying him to things like evil dictators or tying him to people that have mass murdered or begun multiple wars or whatever, I I think the line's gotta be shy of that. And I, I don't I don't know what the line should be. I understand that like at some point passionate fans, like there needs to be something towards home court advantage and all of that. But is home court advantage just like code for being a jerk? For being somewhat racist? For like like what is home court advantage really, really get you? right? Is it code for, oh, they've got great home court advantage. They're a really tough place to play because they say all these awful, atrocious things to you all the time. Or is it something like, oh man, it's really hard to play in the garden because they're really racist. Or is it something like, oh, it's so hard to play in the garden because they'll throw vodka at your face. Like what's what's the reasoning that we allow some things to be under the blanket statement of home court advantage? Where is that line? I'm not saying I have an answer. I'm just saying that if this is not across the line, I don't like where it is. And I will say that I understand why people are like, well, I can't have Kyrie flipping the bird at the whole stadium, and my kids were at the game, and they saw Kyrie flip the bird, and this is awful, and blah, blah, blah. But if Kyrie flipping the bird is a problem for your kids, 
isn't all that stuff being said at him a problem for your kids? Why is that not a problem for your kids? Why is Marcus Smart in May of 2021 admitting that he and other Celtics hear racial slurs heard at other teams' players not the same kind of problem for your kids? I'm asking. I don't, I don't have an answer to that. I just don't get why some of this stuff is not quite across the line or like, oh, we'll call the line here but not there. And some of this stuff is truly atrocious. If you worked at like a bank, say you work at JP Morgan, you're not going to walk to someone that works at Wells Fargo and start throwing slurs and atrocious things and swearing in their face and like throw a plastic bottle to their face and way away. That's, that's not something that we think is acceptable to do, but that's what we're doing to Kyrie or other athletes at their workplace. And so while this is Kyrie versus Boston, I think it really shows us a very, very magnified look at like where do we draw this line we did this a year ago we're doing it again i fear we're not going to stop doing it for a long time but i i think we got to start looking at when is it time to stop this kind of stuff friends that is another edition of fn sports do you feel like you got a little bit more insight or at least have been asked some questions about boston and Kyrie and this whole thing Maybe not. Maybe you're a Bostonian that really, really hates my guts right now. In either case, you can find me on Twitter at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. You can tell me how you think I'm wrong about this whole thing. I think I'm right, but you can tell me how you think I'm wrong in this whole thing. You can find our editor, Chris Sliwa. That's our intern that helps edit the shows. His at on Twitter is Chris underscore Sliwa7. That's Chris underscore Sliwa7. He is a Boston fan, and I think... He actually may be somewhere in the middle of me and Boston fans. Anyway, you'll have to get at him to talk about that. This show is available on Instagram and Twitter. We're at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram. That's at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram and on Twitter. We're at FN Sports 2. It's F-I-N-S-P-R-T-S number 2. All one word. On both of those social media profiles, you can go to the bio, and the link tree is in the bio right there. From that link tree, you can get to all of our sponsors. That's my bookie, where you can use code FN Sports W deposit up to $1,000 US dollars. That's the Beard Struggle, where you can use code FN Sports to get 15% off all of your beard needs. You can also get a link to Yeti, where you can get all your cups, coolers, and koozies. And, of course, you can find the link to our merch store. We have a different t-shirt or sweatshirt or other good each month. Each one of those goes to the proceeds from each one of those, should say, goes to a charitable cause. So make sure you go support a great cause and us as well. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, do all the wonderful things that help out the podcast. Do it on a couple different platforms. And whatever you do... When it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.